This episode is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash TFN for your free audiobook download. The following is a presentation from your friends at Forcecast.net. It's the Forcecast. Home to the official podcast of the Force.net. I feel the Force. And Rebelscum.com. You rebel scum. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Forcecast, your weekly dose of Star Wars news and much more. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. All systems have been alerted to your presence, sir. Check it out, Corporal. Roger, Roger. Now it's time for the Weekly Forcecast. We would be honored if you would join us. Oh yes, welcome back to your weekly dose of Star Wars news and so much more. The Forcecast, the official podcast network of theforce.net and rebelscum.com. So glad to be with you, glad you could be with us. For this week's show, February 18th, 2011. We got a great show for you this week, as we do every week. But this one is especially exciting. And with me, of course, as always, my good friend and yours, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yeah, I'm excited about the show this week because what we have is an actual follow-up to a Forcecast investigative report. You remember a few weeks ago, we were delving into the relevancy in a canon sort of way of the Ewok movies. Remember those great made-for-TV Ewok movies, Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor? And they were actually theatrically released overseas. Here in the States, they were on TV. But we were talking about where they fall into Star Wars canon. We even reached out to Leland Chi over at Lucasfilm, who really couldn't even give us a definitive answer. Right. So... So a few days pass after the show is out and people are listening to it. And we get an email. Jason, do you have the email? I have the email right in front of me. I have the email right here. It says, hey, guys, I was listening to your Force cast, and I just happened to hear you guys talking about the Ewok movies and the different types of canon in Star Wars. The real reason why there is so many different types of canon is because not enough thought was put into piecing it all together. So they have struggled in trying to help it all make sense. This is where it gets interesting, folks. When we were filming the Ewok movies, Warwick Davis and I asked the producer in an interview on the making of what we were doing at the time, when does this all take place in Star Wars? His answer was 150 years after the battle for Endor in Jedi. Wicket doesn't look a day over 130. (laughs) Email goes on and says, also, Lucas did have a lot of involvement in making the first movie. He actually directed the reshoots, and I have a call sheet with him listed as the director. It was only on there on one call sheet, and on the next day, John Cordy's name was placed back on it. John Cordy had a prior commitment and could not be there. I even have a lot of video footage from the movies, and some of them include George Lucas, Linda Ronstadt, and Amanda Lucas. If you'd like to talk about this on your show and have me as a guest sometime, please let me know. I also wrote a song on my music CD entitled Return to Endor as a tribute to the Ewok movies and my character I played, Mace Tawani. Kindest regards, Eric Walker. That's right. 
Eric Walker, Mace Tawani from the Ewok movies, reaching out to the Force cast to shed a little bit of light on this. And we said, we got to have him. We got to have him on the Force cast. And there's only one place to do it to get to the bottom of it. Sorry about the mess. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. That's right. We got him. We got him. The the first mace in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> mace yes, Tawani, Eric Walker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you wear that as sort of a badge of honor, or do you, or do you think Sam Jackson's stealing your thunder a little bit? <laughs> no, actually, you know that that the uh, Star Wars first mace was actually given to me by um, a writer who was doing an article for Star Wars Insider magazine, and he kind of coined the phrase uh, "Star Wars first mace." I think his name is Marco Frumter. He he does a lot of uh, writing for the German Star Wars magazine, actually. So. Oh. So you're the, you're the so he's officially ordained you as the first mace, um, Eric. I I, I got to ask how how did you just happen to be listening to the Force Cast at the time that we uh, were talking about you know the different levels of canon? That is just you know that is just you know like the powers in the universe. I don't know <laughs> if the Force led me to your to listen to that particular one, but uh, I just happened to be. One curious what's going on in the Star Wars universe, and I was on the Force.net, and I saw the podcast there, and just clicked on it. It just just happened. You know? Amazing. Just, uh, one of those uh, just uh, and I, it's not like I listen to you guys every week, but now that I've heard you guys, you guys do a good show. Hey, you know? well, well, thank you and, very uh, much. I'm not just doing that. <laughs> Seems well produced. You guys are doing a good job, and I just had what a coincidence for me to listen to it at the. Same time you guys are talking about the Ewok movies, which is kind of interesting. So You still sound like Mace Tawani, I got to say. I know <laughs> I'm talking to Mace Tawani here. I, I thought maybe your voice would have gotten a little more gruffy over the years, but you still got it. You still got the Mace. I still sound. Yeah, I still got that same voice. Well, when we did those movies, I was, uh, I was uh, going through puberty at the time. So um, I wasn't young like uh, Aubrey Miller, who played Sindel. So, you know, and a lot of people say I have the same face, you know, too, as well. When I go to conventions from time to time, they'll they'll recognize me right away from my face. So, well, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So how old were you, uh, Eric, when you did the the movies? When we did the first movie, I was uh, 14, about 14 and a half. And when we did the second movie, I was 15. Yeah. And, um. Mm-hmm. Warwick Davis and I, our, our birthdays are very close together. Our birthdays are actually only three days apart, actually. So now you mentioned you mentioned video footage, and uh, from from what we found out is you guys were actually given permission to do some behind the scenes filming while you guys were making these movies. And uh, is is any of this ever really seen the light of day, or is this just private home movies for you two? Well, none of it's been released or anything like that. It hasn't seen the light of day. Um, when the uh, when they went ahead and released uh, Caravan of Courage um, and the Battle for Endor, uh, when they did the double feature and they released it like in 2006, um, I had mentioned to them um, that 
we had that footage and Warwick and I were kind of disappointed. Both of us were disappointed that they didn't call us to do any commentary. They didn't ask us about our footage. They didn't do anything. So, yeah. but you know, that's uh, they were real busy at that time though. You can't blame it on them. I think there were, they were real busy trying finishing up. Uh, I think the, what was it? The last one, uh, revenge of the Sith or something like that. Or- right. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> what was the name of that movie? Uh, Revenge yeah. of the Sith. Right. <laughs> so, well, Eric, Eric, you do sound disappointed you never got a chance to do that commentary. So I'd just like to uh, publicly invite you to join us here on the Forcecast one day, and maybe we can record a commentary for Caravan of Courage. Do you think that would be something would, you'd like to do? I would love to do it. It was it – was, uh, it was, I, I still remember doing those movies as, you know, as though they were tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I mean yesterday. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well that's uh, cool. maybe we could set that up. That would be fun. That'd be fun. We've only oh, done wow. one. We've only done one uh, commentary here on the Forcecast. We did a commentary for the, for the Empire Strikes Back, but I think I we think fanboys and fanboys. I think Caravan of Courage is due. Maybe we could get Warwick. Do you keep up with uh, Warwick Davis at all? I have not. We we exchanged e- emails uh, more often than speak because uh-huh. because of course he's over in England. Right. So, um, the last time I spoke to him, I was in London and uh, doing a convention there. And uh, it's, at that time, he he was just he was working on one of the Harry Potter movies. Of course, he worked on all of them. Right. But um, um, we we do talk from time to time through emails, uh, but we've kind of you know we're in touch and we're not in touch. It's one right. of those things, you know. right? But you always have this bond. I mean, I bet when you when you do get back in touch with each other, you know, it's like you know, no time has passed, and you and, and obviously this was a pretty significant moment in your lives, um, certainly for Warwick. Uh, you know, one of the things that d- distinguishes Warwick when we had him on the program is for me, what blows my mind when I talk to Warwick is that he was a Star Wars fan going into the production of Return of the Jedi, which I think is very unique. Um, what, what kind of a fan were you when you found out you were going to be in, essentially, a Star Wars movie? Were you a fan of the uh, other films? Oh uh, well, at that time I'd only seen Return of the Jedi. Um, I really? had not seen the other uh, Empire Strikes Back, and I had not seen the first Star Wars movie. But I, I do remember Jedi, and I remember it coming out, and and it was a big deal. And I, I think I saw it like eight or ten times at the the movie theater <laughs> down the street from my house. So I, I I knew what I was what I was doing. I knew Star Wars was a very big deal um, when I when I first got the part. Um, it's one of those very surreal feelings like, am, am I dreaming? Or am I li- living real life? And you just go with it, you know. Yeah. That's where the training comes, you know, as, you know, as being an actor. Right. But, uh, but the other thing is, you know, when, when – and, and people are – you know, they're telling us, you know, when you do this movie, you're going to be famous for, you know, at least 10 years. You know, <laughs> here, and here we are, what, 26 27 years later talking about it so yeah. of course you have no idea it's going to last that long but you know it's great were, so. were they talking tv movie at that time or were they talking theatrical what did you know about it when you when you got the gig well this is this is this is how i came in at the very last second um i uh they had already done all the auditions and they did not find a mace they had auditioned in new york uh, San Francisco and Los Angeles, and they were back in Los Angeles again. And at that time, it was uh, my agent called me, and they said they had a general interview 
Uh, I wouldn't be reading. They just want to meet with me, and it's for a one-hour after-school special. So at that time, they weren't making it sound like it was going to be this big thing. And it was for CBS, by the way, which is – which later it got switched to, to ABC because there was a bidding war or whatever that took place. So um, that's huh. some more information you guys probably didn't know about. No, no. And, um, a bidding war between, between who now? Between CBS and ABC. Originally, ah. CBS was going to air the movie when they were in talks with Lucas. And then as it, as it continued to grow, it went from this one-hour Ewok special to this two-hour movie. And eventually, overseas, it was billed as a Star Wars movie. You know, everywhere else but America, it's like a Star Wars movie. It's only here that it's not. You know, in fact, if you look at some of the foreign posters, it says Star Wars on them. Interesting. Did you ever get a chance to actually see it in a theater overseas? Uh, I did see it in a theater, not overseas, but I saw it in a movie theater here. They had screenings here at 20th Century Fox. And also up uh, near Lucasfilm, they had a, a cast and crew screening. But yeah, I saw it. I saw it in the movie theater, and it played much better in a movie theater. Well, I, and I can tell you, I mean, I was seven years old when that when that aired, and uh, you know, the, the the just the feeling of getting back into that universe uh, was was incredible, and. Um, it definitely I remember as a kid, it felt like Star Wars. It was like being back back there. And when I went back and revisited the films, knowing you were going to be on the show, I still got that that bit of nostalgia with it. They're actually really good stories. They're great stories. And um, I was surprised I had forgotten. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. That uh, when the second one hits, you don't make it very far. Was that? Did you no. know? Did you know that that that, that was going to be the the character's fate when uh, when you signed up for the second one? No, 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 no. We we did not know. See, when we when 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 I first signed when they first signed me, they signed me to uh, uh, to do the first one and an option to do two other movies. So, oh, okay, two other movies. Okay, two of yeah. Yes. Well, George likes to so work Lucas, in trilogies. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so I he actually had us all signed to do even a third third one, mm. um, but I, from what I gather uh, through through the grapevine, and you you never know how much of this is real or not real. Uh, at that time, the reason why the second what happened with the second movie and the family was killed off was uh, yeah, Sindel, who was my sister, was about the same age as uh, George's uh, daughter, Amanda Lucas, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that was her hero, and she loved Sindel, so he wanted to do a movie centered around Sindel, and uh, when the, the people who wrote the second movie and directed it, the Wheat Brothers, mm-hmm. when they came and sat down with George, they told, they, they told me this on the set. They said, we had a great story with the whole family and a mace and a whole adventure and everything, and, and George said, no, we're going to center around the family, and originally... We were we were all going to be dead at the beginning, except for her. They, uh-huh. In the original scripts, uh, we were all dead, and I was told I wasn't even going to be in the sequel. Huh. So that was that was pretty hard to take, being uh, you know, a fourteen, fifteen year old kid, you know. Yeah, but you did see some very quality laser battle action at the beginning, <laughs> probably yes. more than than all of the entire film combined. I was ex- I was excited. To, I was so excited when they at least let me die in it that you know I was jumping at the bit to do it because you know 
uh, I wanted to prove myself, you know, so to speak. So it, it, it really brought back a flood of memories for me. I remember being shocked as, a, as, a, as an eight-year-old that, that this family was gone and that she was, she was an orphan. And when I did a little bit of research, I found that, um, Eric, that it seems like George was inspired by the story of Heidi. Apparently, he had watched that. He had watched that with Amanda um, recently at that at that time, and thought it would be kind of interesting to put this Sindel character, um, you know, with with an old with an old man, you know, not unlike the you know the Heidi character. Um, right. But that's but that's interesting. Have you ever have you ever had a chance to talk to Amanda Lucas and say you killed me? You killed me. <laughs> no, no, no. I haven't had I haven't had a chance to I haven't had a chance to say anything to her about that. But you know, she was a little she was a little kid and I was a hero. I don't blame her. Right. Uh, the one of the one of the brothers said, "Well, if she was a teenager, it probably would have been your movie." <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. That's true. That's true. But unfortunately, and, and my son, who I, I just showed these movies to him, he had no idea they even existed. He's eight years old. And we watched Caravan of Courage. And then we watched Battle for Endor, which is definitely darker in many ways. You know, you talk about the family being off at the beginning. Right away, my son Dylan said, oh, no, they're, they're still alive. You know, he kept very optimistic. <laughs> about that. And, and I mean, there yeah, were because- so many signs telling him, no, kid, the lights on the bracelet are all turning off. <laughs> yeah, what if it got damaged? What if it blew up the bracelet? You know, yeah, you never know, right? Well, Star I love, Wars. hey, uh, Eric, in Dylan Mack's universe, in Dylan Mac canon, you're still alive, and so's the rest okay. of the family. So it's ripe for a third. It's ripe for a third film. Well, let's talk about actually making this movie. And you mentioned in the uh, email that you sent to us that George was actually on set. What What was your experience with George Lucas uh, while making this movie? How much? How often did you see him? Well, in the beginning, you know, he came. He he came by. You know, not as often when we first started making it. He would come by about once a week. Um, in fact, I remember very vividly one time he came by um, and just happened to be Amanda's first day at school mm-hmm. uh, in preschool. So he wanted, he asked a lot of the Ewoks characters if they would put on their costumes and give her presents. So that was kind of <laughs> neat. Yeah. And actually I have, footage of, I have footage of all that happening and that's when he brought uh, Linda Ronstadt out there with, uh, as well. Right, that, was, that, right. that was his squeeze at the time, Linda Ronstadt. Right, and uh, you know, and then and then what had happened was we we did all the filming, and uh, they had to do some reshoot, reshoots, excuse me, in August. And John Cordy had an, another commitment, and he just couldn't do it. So George uh, had to do the do the about a week. He directed us for about a week, all the reshoots. And did he ever so, I mean, tell I, you? Did he ever tell you, Eric, to go faster and more intense? Yeah, the one thing about <laughs> George is he's he's a technical director. He's very yeah. intense. He's very fast. Uh, he's he really knows what he wants and he explains it well. Yeah. He's not what you would call an actor's director, which mm-hmm. is uh, you know, which is more like John Cordy, where they you know study a little bit about acting. Um, yeah, but. Um, at one point, I even, uh, you know, and, and he, he not only knew what he wanted, uh, you know, he would sometimes in the daytime, uh, in the morning, he would show up and he would hand me the new scene and he and his handwritten notes. And I, geez, I wish I would have kept those. Yeah, I bet so. you do. <laughs> wow. I'll bet you do. 
Uh, but, but your kids through college, old, you don't yeah. Think things like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you have a sense that you were in the presence of somebody that was uh, pretty significant uh, when you were around George, or was he just he was just another dude? Um, he's uh, yeah. The only reason why you you felt that you were in the presence of someone who is significant was because he had always seemed to have an entourage around him. Ah, uh-huh. uh His posse. Not, if not, no, he would seem like a normal dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very quiet, very soft-spoken. Actually reminds me a lot of my father. I mean, yeah. I mean you have to literally listen very carefully because he doesn't speak very loud. Right. So, um, right. And I could literally tell you what scenes he directed, you know, literally, in the reshoots. Like, for instance, uh, do you remember the scene where uh, I stick my hand in the tree and yep. it gets – bitten by a monster uh-huh. that's the yes. scene he directed he had to uh he had to we had to do the reshoot because uh the other scene had the original scene that was supposed to be in the movie had too many special effects in it and they couldn't get it done in enough time i it's what i heard um and that's the reason why there's a mistake in the movie because in and uh later you see it's a different hand that's hurt and right. the reason right. why is because originally i had used uh, the the right the left hand uh, there was a scene called the uh, where they had these man-eating flowers in this glade, and mm. the 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 flowers grab my hand and they start taking me underneath the ground into into and you start to see the inner core of uh, indoor, and there was just too many effects involved and whatnot. And it didn't work out, so they reshot it with that. Uh, and also that uh, tree monster that they used uh, for my hand, uh, from what I understand, it's the the same. Uh, puppet that they used for uh, the movie Doom, mm-hmm. you know, where the where the the creatures come out of the sand. So they just redressed it. So <laughs> tidbit. So wow. But uh, both the Ewok films were some of the last really intensive stop motion animation work that ILM ever did. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, they did a great job doing that. And at that time, he was starting to develop. That uh, c- that uh, computer department, which he later sold off, Pixar. Yes. Oh I yeah, that little the thing. time they were talking about <laughs> developing that, and they were trying to move toward that, uh, develop more computerized stuff. So um, it was it was a great world to be in, and uh, I don't regret uh, any moment of it. Um, and no, why, uh, you shouldn't. I mean, why would you? You were uh, in a piece of Star Wars history, and it must have been, as opposed to you know. Sure, it was a great experience for an actor, but as a 14-year-old, to be on the forest moon of Endor, did George share any sort of insight with you being out in the Redwood Forest? Did he like make reference to, uh, yeah, when we shot Return of the Jedi, uh, this happened or that happened? Were, were there any old stories coming out of him on the set? Not from George. George, George like I said, he's a very quiet man. He doesn't talk that much. Um, of course, you know, a lot of the crew the, that were that were that did the Ewok movies were the same crew that they had on Jedi. So, of course, I heard all kinds of stories, um, you know, that happened yeah. from Return of the Jedi. So some and, of them you probably couldn't uh, talk about. On radio. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I'm sure you heard a lot. You heard a lot from Warwick. Um, did Warwick kind of give you a sense of what you were what you were in for? Uh, in, in making a, a Star Wars film, per se, um, was he, a, was he a, somebody you could kind of rely on, kind of lean on to sort of show you the way? 
Well, you know, Warwick and I were were, were friends. We were really, really friends from the second we met each other. We were like joined at the hip because mm. we were the only two kids on the set that were you know teenagers. Yeah. So I mean, we would literally go out to eat, you know, almost every night afterwards, and uh-huh. uh, we had a lot of fun. You know, uh, I even have videos of us making commercials. You know, Warwick is a very it, it doesn't surprise me that uh, his careers went to where it's at, and uh, especially now that he's getting ready to do that show with Ricky Gervais, because mm-hmm. uh, Warwick is a very, very funny, ma- very funny man. <laughs> you know, yeah. so and uh, he's a good guy. So yeah, well, that's that's yeah. He is. He is. He's a funny guy, and I don't think you could probably have a a, a better uh, kind of big brother there on the set to uh, kind of show you the way than than Warwick Davis certainly. Yeah. Um, so he do- certainly was, and, and we had a lot of fun, like I said, and we had mentioned making the making of, and back to the making of, I have about two hours worth of footage that they could use, yeah. you know, of us running around a set, filming things, and talking to people, so. Give us an example of something that's uh, sort of your favorite piece of all that material. What, what really stands out from all the things you and Warwick shot together? Probably the commercials that we did, you know, the little com- comedic commercials we put in between all the other stuff. Because work, <laughs> like I said, is very funny. You know, he'll he'll take uh, like a, 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 a you know Welch's grape juice and he'll take a can and he, you know with his uh, British accent he'll call it Welk, <laughs> Welk grape juice, and uh, or he'll take a, a root beer, a can of root beer, and say, you know, this is root beer. Uh, it's made out of roots. <laughs> and you'll like grab a bunch of straw and try to put it in there. I mean, you have to see it yeah. usually. You know, yeah, but, right. <laughs> and he'll say something like, "Well, grape juice, ha- there's no salt in it, so we'll add some." And he'll take some salt and start trying to put it in it. You know. So he would just do this off the cuff. There was you guys didn't oh, sit there and write this he stuff. Did, he just did it all. It, all of it was ad libbed. Very, very funny stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to have a release someday. Uh, I mean. Uh, are you permitted? Are you permitted to show it if you go to conventions? Are you allowed to, to show it at all? I have not. You know, I legal wise, I have not been told that I cannot uh, show it. I've also not been told that I can't release it too. Yeah. I mean, I did. I I did have somebody, an agent of mine, talking to some some lawyers, and they said it is our footage. We did shoot the footage. You yeah. know, as filmmakers, yeah. and and you had permission there on the set to do so. Yeah, it's correct, yeah. And, and and it is our footage. I mean, Lucas doesn't own it. I guess we probably could release it. I mean, they may have, they may be able to do say it. Tell us we can't, but I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, so be nice for the Eric, fans to be able to see it, though. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you actually sort of put plans in motion to release it as part of a book called Growing Up on Skywalker Ranch? What's the status of that project? Well, that project had us, you know, I got so busy with other work and and stuff I was doing with my music that I had put that on hold. But I had, uh, last year I started working on it again. And yes, I would like to release it with the book. And uh, the book is, uh, it's it's just a metaphor. It's not like I really grew up on Skywalker Ranch. I only spent a few years there, so, but... um, I would like to release it with it. I think I think so, and and that's what I what I meant was I had some lawyers looking into it. Uh, my agent was uh, talking to some lawyers to see if I could do it, and they seemed to say that I could do it as long as I say it was unauthorized or something like that. Yeah. You know? So yeah, as long as I say it wasn't coming from them and they had nothing to do with it, you know. 
Yeah. Now you said you th- th- that uh, you know you're kind of um, on off with uh, contact with Warwick Davis. What about uh, what about your little sister? What about Aubrey Miller? Are you uh, keep in contact with her at all? I did. I did get in contact with her, and we went to a convention in Ohio um, about four or five years ago. Really? And uh, where where at yeah. in Ohio? Do you remember Cleveland or? Um, it was in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. It was uh, some. It was like a, and it was the wrong convention for Star Wars actors to go to. It was like a <laughs> horror film convention. Oh, uh, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, it was like in Warren, Ohio. It was not it was not the right place to be. It was like and, a fright you know, fest bless, kind of thing. Bless, yeah, yeah. Bless the stormtroopers for coming out and you know supporting us and the Star uh. Wars fans that did come out. But um, I wish we would have you know because I was trying to get her to go to it. And one of the things that I was surprised about when we were at the convention, uh, there was a couple things. But one of the things I was surprised about was she does not remember anything about making those movies. Yeah, she, has, she, she was so young. She was four. She was four and five when she made both those movies, and wow. she was so young she has no memory of even making them. So she couldn't have a conversation with you and say on this day that was fun doing that. Wow. She just has no recollection. So wow. Uh, that's that's amazing. I mean, we, we've spoken to uh, Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin in uh, Episode One, and I think Jake was eight when he eight or nine when he did that those movies, and his recollection is pretty hazy. I mean, he has, uh, you know, I mean, he he remembers certain things, but uh, he doesn't remember at all, you know. And it's interesting when you're when you're a kid. Um, I can imagine that it's. You know, it's. Uh, Wait, can you imagine? Can you imagine? She was four and five. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so, crazy. Right. Yeah. So she was even younger. But yeah, I must um, have blown her mind when she stepped on the set with those Ewoks as a four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she loved the Ewoks. Yeah. I mean, they, they were real worried that they were going to scare her. Believe it or not, and uh, we did a screen test together, um, and that's when we found out we both got the part. Um, we we did all day long. Uh, we were at John Cordy's, who's a director. We're at Cordy Films, and his where his place was at. And they had us in the back area, and they brought an Ewok, and they put it on a pole to make sure it wouldn't scare her. Um, <laughs> Wait a but, minute, an Ewok <laughs> on a pole? What kind of <laughs> what kind of pole are we I talking about? <laughs> have a little person, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, they come apart in sections. You know, I don't know if you're aware of that. Like the head separate, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this one. Let's see if this yeah. scares her. Let's mount this Ewok on a <laughs> on a pole. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, before we get one in the suit. Jeez, how? Wow, wow, wow. Well, you know, it was just it was just an inter- it was just interesting. You know how the whole thing, how the whole getting the whole part happened was just a fascinating story. How I came in at the last minute. And uh, I, back to what I was saying is I was supposed to uh, um, just go for an interview and not even read. And mm. then they liked me enough that they said, can you read some sides, which are the script? And I said, yeah, sure. But, and, I, uh, and I said at the time, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a professional actor. I have a prepared monologue. Can I do that for you too? And they said, sure, yeah, you could do that. So, and it just so happens that, uh, that the when they were videotaping me later to show uh, uh, George Lucas the uh, the audition, uh-huh. that the producer didn't, he forgot to hit record during most of the interview and audition, but he <laughs> recorded my audition, my monologue. Uh-huh. So, and from what I understand, that's what got me the part. 
and George had already decided that he wanted uh, Aubrey and I to do the role, but uh, John Cordy and Thomas Smith wanted to see how well we worked together and make sure she wasn't scared, like I said, with the Ewoks. That's right. when we did the screen test. So Right. Wow. You know what's an interesting scene from Caravan of Courage is when you discover those little uh, glowing tinkerbells and you're outside the campground hopping around chasing it. And I just <laughs> I wonder what you recall from shooting that scene because obviously <laughs> you were imagining it all. And the way you were hopping around that <laughs> campsite – it must have been pretty funny to do as a 14-year-old on the set. Do you have any memories of being directed in that scene? Yeah, I remember that. We shot that uh, scene in, uh, on a soundstage that they called Cookie Bay. And that was when uh, Lucasfilm and ILM was in San Rafael before they moved to uh, Skywalker Ranch because they were uh-huh. in the process of still building it at that time. And uh, so even though it looks like we're outside, we're actually in a soundstage. And uh, what they did was they had this uh, they had this pole that had a light like a they took like a small light and they would move it around. So we were able to actually so we did visually get to see something. It wasn't like 100 percent not seeing something. So that helped out a little bit. (laughs) Now, Eric, you mentioned that when you when you found the force cast, you just happened to be on the force dot net. You do like to to jump in and see what's going on in the world of Star Wars. What kind of uh, fan have you been? More, I get a sense you're more of a casual fan uh, since your experience making the films. Well, I'm a fan. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not someone who would, uh, you know, dress up in a stormtrooper costume or go to convention stuff, but I am a Star Wars fan, and occasionally I like to hear what's going on, so yeah. I just... You know, look on, on search engines and stuff like that, and uh, go to the you know the force.net and you guys. You know, you guys are one of the more popular websites out there, I guess, for Star Wars fans. So, um, just happen to be doing that, and that uh, yeah, I guess I would call myself a ca- you could call me a casual fan, but I'm definitely a Star Wars fan for sure. So yeah, um, have you uh, have, have you kept up with uh, with with the uh, you know with the prequel films, and have you caught any of the Clone Wars? Uh- television series i've seen some of the some of the cartoon the clone wars i i like that i think some of those are very clever um the prequels um the best one was the last one uh revenge of the sith uh-huh. uh, by far um i wasn't i to be honest with you i wasn't very very happy with the prequels no uh, i just thought that no i just thought that that uh, so many years had went by and um, something had happened in between that turned it into this, you know, more of a, a thing about merchandising than making movies. Hmm. And, I mean, and that's my opinion. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah, sure. No. Um, now, you said that when you did the, the first Ewok movie, you had only seen Return of the Jedi. When did you go back and watch the other two films? I actually, yeah, and, and and the reason why I hadn't seen them, by the way, was because back then they didn't have them on VHS or they didn't have them on DVD. So yeah, it was right. not like, uh, and they weren't in the movie theater, so right. you know that's why I couldn't go see them. It wasn't that I didn't want to go see them; it's just sure. that they weren't available for me. So um, I saw them at a. Uh, I was invited uh, from from a. They played all three of the movies back to back, the trilogy. And I was invited to a special screening by uh, some other Star Wars fans and Ewok fans. And that's when I saw them. I saw them all back to back. It was 
long nine, ten hours. But it was, been there, been there a few times. Now, did, was that uh, shortly thereafter after you made the Ewok films, or was that you know some time during? I want to say it was after. I want to say it was nineteen. It was when it was an anniversary. I think it was probably eighty-seven. Oh, like the uh, tenth yeah, anniversary. Ten-year anniversary. Right. Right. Well, what's been going on with you lately? You've got a you've got a music career going on, right? Yeah, well, I've I've always been a, a composer, and uh, I play piano, and I've done that for uh, a lot of things. People don't know about me is you know I studied a lot. You know, even even as an actor, after I did those Ewok movies, I went to the uh, L.A. County High School for the Performing Arts, which uh, is uh, like you know the Fame School in New York, but here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in the first graduating class in, in 1988, and there, you know, I, you know, I studied uh, theater and piano, and I, I've been a musician as well for over 20 years. And uh, you know, there's some other uh, some other alumni that went to uh, the High School of the Arts: uh, uh, Anthony Anderson, uh, Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas, mm-hmm. Josh Groban. Yeah. Josh Groban went to the school. Uh, Corbin Blue. Um, and just a lot of people. So, and, uh, we had a lot of famous people that would come there and, uh, mentor us. And it was a great experience. Um, in fact, in my class, uh, uh, Ned Beatty's son, John Beatty was in my class mm-hmm. and his, his, and his, uh, godfather was, uh, uh, John Voigt. So he would show up and so, no squeal I mean, was, like big jokes going on there, were there? <laughs> and he would show up with Angelina, yeah. And she was a little girl at that time. So, no kidding. Um, who wow. Known, who would have known what no. she would have became? Yeah. Unbelievable. And so Star Wars is kind of mashed into your musical career a little bit, too. You have a, a new CD out called Tangier yes. Dream. And it features mm-hmm. uh, one track called Return to Endor. What can you tell us about yes. uh, the CD and, uh, and, and, and what thoughts go through your mind when you sit down at your keyboard and you play Return to Endor? Well, when, when, when I play Return to Endor, I go back to when I was on the forest mood of Endor. Uh, and I actually took a trip with my wife uh, up there because I wanted her to see where we filmed it. And because uh, wow. it, where we filmed the main scenes, it's, uh, it's actually it's accessible, by the way. Uh, it's not. We did do a lot of filming on the ranch, but the main shots where you see the the uh, the uh, indoor moon, not the indoor moon, but the indoor and uh, that big uh, glade or whatever flower glade and then stuff. That's all accessible. So I go up there, and it's 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 such a beautiful, peaceful, uh, tranquil place. And the song that I wrote, "Return to Endor," basically I wrote as a as a tribute to Mace Tawani. And uh, in my mind, when I was composing it, it was uh, basically what the song is, is it's an Ewok ceremony that's being uh, conducted by Logray, the Ewok. And he's summoning the spirit of Mace Tawani back to Endor, basically, in that piece. Oh, we've got a clip of that here. Let's uh, let's play that.
that's a clip of Eric Walker's uh, return, return to Endor from uh, Tangier Dream. And we've got, actually, you've been kind enough to uh, give us a CD to give away, which we're going to do that. So um, we want to make it fair. We want to make it open for folks that are listening to this as a podcast over the weekend. And uh, so what we're going to sure. do is um, I, I, I want to, I, maybe I'm going to put you on the spot, Eric. What, what would be Go a ahead. good trivia question? to ask about one of the uh, one of the Ewok films that is out there it's available for people to know but might might be tough is there anything you can think of off the top of your head good question about maybe make these folks uh, go back and listen watch one of these movies I do have I do have there there I know a few things tri- trivial I know a little bit of trivia okay. from the Ewok right. movie Yeah sure. yeah yeah give us give us a give us a good trivia question folks can email the answer to forcecast at forcecast.net include their uh, their mailing address in case they are the winner of uh, Eric Walker's okay. CD, Tangier Dream. And you can check out all of Eric Walker's music at ericwalkermusic.com. That's Eric with a C, ericwalkermusic.com. So uh, you got a question? Yes, I got a question. All right. Okay. Lay it on us. Um, okay. Uh, what famous Disney character is uh, in the movie The Ewok Adventure sitting in one of the trees. Hmm. That's a good one. Disney character sitting in the trees. (laughs) You're going to have to email us the answer. Yeah, I think you might. (laughs) I think you might have to. Too hard. (laughs) No, I think that's a good one. If it's available, I mean, if folks can go back and review the film and, and it's, is it pretty plain or do you, is it pretty tough to spot? Because off the top of my head, I can't, I can't think of it. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's tough to spot. It was one of those things that the people in the behind the scenes threw in there as a, as yeah, a thing. But it's there, it's right? Tough. It's there. It's there, absolutely. It's yep. there in the first film. Uh, give us an idea of what scene we're talking about. Uh, it, it would be in uh, it would be in in the shot where it shows the Ewok village. All right. All right, there you go. I, I think I know who it is. I'm not going to say, but <laughs> I have my guesses. Well, so uh, everyone, send us your guesses, forecast at forecast.net. Everyone who enters and gives us a guess, we'll tell you the answer next week on the Forecast Live, and we'll pick our winner. Eric, I can't thank you enough for, uh, well, first of all, listening to the podcast, and secondly, uh, emailing us, and thirdly, deciding, you know, uh, agreeing to come on the program. We really appreciate it. It's great to hear from you. Uh, it, it's it's what a blast from the past. I, I to be I be honest, I hadn't watched the films since I was a kid until we knew we, you were coming on, and uh, I'm so glad that I did because it really, really brought back some wonderful memories, and they really are fun movies. And Jim, you 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 showed them to Dylan. Did Dylan enjoy himself watching these? He adored them. I got to tell you, and this is full disclosure. I had seen Caravan of Courage maybe a handful of times, two or three times mm-hmm. before I mm-hmm. uh, sat down and watched it with them over the, this past weekend. But I had never seen Battle for Endor at all. And I have, to, I have to say that they stand up strong to this day. They've aged well, and they're worthy entrance into the Star Wars saga. I think that any Star Wars fan should do themselves a favor and sit down and watch it because, you know, it's not – Little kitty fair. It's not, you know, something you'd see on PBS in the morning. This is some dark, sinister stuff going on here on the forest moon of Endor. You have Wicked, 
and uh, nothing becomes more Star Wars canon than Wicked the Ewok. And uh, it's just, it's not only that, though, it is a lot of fun. And I watched it with my eight-year-old. We had a great time watching it together. He really enjoyed it. So it makes for a fun family experience, something that you can share with your little ones and, and maybe even get them into Star Wars. Maybe if they're sort of not really sure if, if they want to sit down and actually watch a Star Wars film, show them this one and see yeah, if they def- to the characters and the situations. Def- and maybe you yeah. can then maybe you could have a whole Star Wars marathon with them. Right, Eric? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely, they're definitely good family films. Um, the second one is a little darker, uh, but uh, they're definitely, the first one uh, was definitely, a, uh, in fact, it was nominated for an Emmy for Best uh, Family Film. So is that right? Definitely good family fair. And you know what? It's a, it's a pleasure, guys. I'm, I, you guys are very professional. I like what you guys are doing. Uh, thank you for having me. And um, I know we didn't talk too much about uh, what my email said. We went off somewhere else, but that's how interviews go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, all right, all right, all right, all right. Fine. Let's 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 bring this up here before we let you go. You were told okay. that, as far as the canonicity of this film, that it took place 150 years after the Battle of Endor in Return of the Jedi. And all the research I've done shows that the accepted uh, canonicity of this film places it. Somewhere between Empire and Jedi, so it predates Jedi. This well, is in stark contrast. Know, but, but, yeah, but you know what? Ha- you know why that is that way? Because a book was written. What had happened was they were trying to Lucasfilm and the the powers that be and the people that write the books and stuff like that were trying to take this hodgepodge of of, of a mess that got created with all this expanded universe and all this other stuff, and they tried to assimilate it and make it have a chronological order, excuse me, I can't speak tonight, and uh, someone wrote that in a timeline, and it's been accepted since then. But the fact is, is we were on the set, and I, I, I don't, you know, I should probably look, I might even have the, him on video saying this, and because he, he also makes a reference, in, uh, if you watch, there's a scene in the Ewok uh, movie where Wicked and Sindel are playing with the, uh, these toys, if you look real carefully, one of those toys looks like a stormtrooper. Oh, wow! That had been that had been that had been another good trivia question. Uh, wow! Yeah. And do you remember? I mean, yeah, what was the prop? It was the was the prop an actual Kenner action figure? Uh, no, with the well, it's not a well, it's not an actual Kenner action figure, but it's you know when you remember when the, they were sitting and playing at the table and they were talking about how the Star Cruiser mm-hmm. crashed. Right. Yeah. Crashed. Yeah. If you look at, if you pause it at different spots, and you'll see there's a bunch of other different toys around the table, and one of them is uh, one that an Ewok would have made to resemble. Uh, to resent. Right. To resent. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So that would and definitely. He, and, and he had mentioned that in when when he was we were asking him when we were interviewing him, he had mentioned that that they had put that in there because of that. So it definitely is uh, after. The Battle of Endor. It's definitely, and he had said it was. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're just trying to. You know, what had happened was the, it, things had gotten so out of hand, and they're trying to glue everything back, all the pieces back together, and make sense of it all. But um, it just got out of control. You know. Yeah, and, tell me uh, about it. That's what I've been saying for four years on this show. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it just had. And, you it's know, out and of it's, control. 
yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, no. It, 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 to, me, to me, how can to me how can you say anything that's how can you say uh, a movie that's uh, called the Ewok Adventure that's produced by Lucasfilm is not canon? That just seems absurd to me. Or, or try to place it in a different realm. I mean, it's well, still. Are they going to tell us next that Endor is not part of the whatever canon you guys were talking about? Now well, that's a different canon. I, no. I think. Hey, you know what? You've convinced me. It's it's totally canon, and and I don't. And I defy anybody to watch these films and come away and say that there's anything in there that really violates canon. I don't think there's anything in these films that violates canon. Do you? Do you, Jimmy? Well, you know, some people have complained about Wicket speaking English in the second one. But uh, I don't. That doesn't really bother me at all. Um, I think that's a device. That's a device. Yeah, it right. And for little kids, it adds more personality to Wicked. And of course, you know, little kids can't read rapid fire subtitles during a film, and nor do they want to. They just want to enjoy it and understand what the characters are trying to communicate. So I have no problem with it. Plus, I think it's kind of cute. It's cute. It's cute. Well, Eric, thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time. We really appreciate it. Again, that trivia question is, if you watch uh, the first of the two Ewok Adventure films, uh, TV films, and Ewok Adventure, The Caravan of Courage, you'll notice that there is a famous Disney character in the trees when they show the establishing shot of the Ewok village. What is that Disney character? Send it to us, forcecast at forcecast.net, and you can win a copy of Eric's uh, CD, Tangier Dream, featuring Return to Endor, a song he wrote inspired by his time. Eric, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back, and we want to do that commentary. That would be fun. That would be awesome, guys. You guys are great. I'd love to be back, and thanks for having me. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Stay in touch, and thanks again. Okay. God All bless. All right. You too. All right. The, the first mace, the original mace, the OM, uh, <laughs> Eric Walker. <laughs> OM. Very cool That's stuff. That's great. That's All right. Yeah, so- what a nice guy, too. Matter of fact, you know what I think I'm going to do here is I'm going to send the uh, CD back to Eric so he can sign it. For our winner. So not only will they be getting a CD of Tangier Dream, but they'll be getting it signed by the original Mace. So yeah. I think uh, he's a, a nice guy. And like I said before, if you haven't given these Ewok films a, a, a chance or you haven't seen them in 20 years or whatever, go ahead and pop them back in the DVD player. Yep. Uh, you know what? Unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, they are up there. They're out of print. That DVD is out of print. It's just like the Gendy series, out of print, unavailable. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it it bugs me. I hate the vault. You know, the Disney vault. You know, you got you know, Oh my God! Uh, in, in January, the vault's going to close. I got to go buy Peter Pan. Uh, you know, and I wish that Lucasfilm would would at least let us know when they're going to pull something off the shelves like that. Because when I knew that um, Eric was going to be on the program, I of course went right away to see if I could you know pick up a copy of the DVD. And Jimmy's like, No, man, it's out of print. So I had to go to ill gotten methods to join, <laughs> to watch these films again and uh i you know whatever but uh, i just wish that if they were going to pull it uh, you know off the shelves that they would let us know in advance but oh well i tell you one place one place you can find yourself a dvd copy of caravan of courage is at rancho obi-wan and guess who is at rancho obi-wan this moment as we speak jimmy mack well i know who's there and let's just say I'm very jovial feeling about (laughs) 
I'm going to g- I can't. Wow, what a tease. It's a, it makes me feel jovial to know one of our Jedi Journal's co-hosts is out yeah. there. We're Rancho Obi-Wan. Now, Steve Sands, we have, of course, is Jovial Jay Shepard. Right. Part of the dynamic duo. Um, Jovial Jay and Chris Wyman host the Forcecast Jedi Journal show, which is all about Star Wars publishing, novels, comics, behind-the-scenes books. You name it, they talk about it. And Jovial Jay himself is camped out at Rancho Obi-Wan. He is assisting Steve in cataloging, organizing, archiving, dusting, building, assembling, <laughs> cleaning, and in general, drooling on his library of collected Star Wars books and associated media. So let's let's pay a visit to Jovial Jay right now. I did not set this up with Jay, but let's see if he's there right now. I put his cell phone number. Yeah. Jim, can you call him? Can you call him from where oh, you are? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do yeah. It. yeah, that would be, that would be good. Yeah. So I'm going to dial right now. You talk about Whatever you're going to talk about. <laughs> well, we're going to get Jovial Jay on the phone. We, we did not, we did not, <laughs> I stress, we did not prearrange this with Jovial Jay. So we have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know. Who knows? Maybe even Steve Sansweet will jump on the phone. We don't know. But uh, if you're going to well, that's be. What All right. We don't want to talk to Jay. <laughs> he won't answer. He's at the In N Out Burger. That's all he wanted to do. Come on, Jay. Screening his calls. Your call to an automatic. All right. Let's try one more time. Unbelievable. He doesn't know what he's missing here. Maybe I should have set this right. up. In you, know yeah, I'm gonna, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to send him a text. How about I send him a text? Trying right. again to All reach right. Jovial J at the palatial Rancho Obi one. All right. We are calling the Steve Sansweet collection the greatest. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Jovial. It's Jimmy Mac and Jason. You are live on the Forecast. Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> you know how we're doing. What we want to know is how you're doing. Are you at Rancho Obi-Wan right now? I am right now. I just got back from dinner, and, man, I am so tired, and I've only cracked just a small fraction of what's here. It's uh, <laughs> There is so much work to be done, and it's going to be a, a tough uh, four next days, I think, but... Uh, it's going to be a total blast. So what do they got you doing out there? Well, the um, the library is just full and full of uh, stacks of books, uh, magazines, comics from the last three, four, five years, a lot of foreign stuff. And so um, basically you've got some new shelves going in. We're going to expand uh, the library uh, so that it's not just stacks and piles. And we're going to try to clean everything up and organize it a little bit better so that you can see what's there, you can get to it, and you know, make it make it like a real library just because uh, he's run out of space in so, what he's got right now. So essentially, you have become the Jocasta New of Rancho Obi-Wan. <laughs> exactly. Well, in the archives, you know, it does not exist. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Yeah. So is uh, Steve Sansweet with you right now? He is not. He is uh, indisposed at the moment in another room here. Oh, I see. Indisposed. So, so Jay, can you Jay, can you kind of describe the uh the library uh side of the uh Rancho Obi Wan? Sure. It's um so I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners have seen pictures of uh parts of the of the museum and so there's uh there's just a room um uh that has I don't know right now it's probably like five or six bookshelves, floor to ceiling, 
stacked with books. And then there's some bookshelves in the middle uh, for display, you know, for some more prominent things. And then there's just piles of books and boxes full of books. And so what he's done is he's cleared out a space next to that, which has um, uh, a bunch of new bookshelves that are being built right now and going in. And we're going to try to divide up these stacks, make sure that the foreign books, uh, you know, are put into one area and all the U.S. books another and just try to sort everything out. Um, he's got stuff set up in, in such a way that, you know, like the fiction books are together and kind of chronological order. So if you're, you know, looking for the new Jedi order, you can kind of go to one section and see all the variations, the hardcover, the science fiction book club version, the paperback version, and then, um, you know, just tons and tons of stuff that, you know, even even stuff that I'm seeing, I go, I didn't even know this existed. Well, let me ask you, what EU is in the uh, bathroom there at Rancho Obi-Wan? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't seen... I haven't seen anything in the any EU in the bathroom, though there are um, all sorts of Star Wars bath soaps, the Star Wars toilet paper, uh, <laughs> you know, little mini Jar Jar soaps, things like that. A, you, you come to my house, there's nothing but EU in the bathroom. There's comic <laughs> yeah. books galore. It's the only place I can get some peaceful reading done. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. You know what so, that's like. All right. So, Jay, how long are you going to be out there? Uh, I'm out here for about four and a half days. Four and a half days of wall-to-wall Star Wars action. Will you be recording any reports for Jedi Journals? I am going to try to do that, yes. I'm going to see what, uh, what time allows for us to do here. The, uh, the first two days are just going to be sorting and moving, and then hopefully I'm going to be able, uh, on the weekend coming up here, to uh, crack into doing a little cataloging because they need to have that done as well. But we may not even be able to get to that part. So I'm hoping to... I'm hoping to file a couple reports for our next episode of Jedi Journals while uh, while I'm here as well. All right, well, so, uh, do or do not, there is no try. Yeah, exactly. I will. I, I will do. <laughs> All right. All right, Jay. Well, we'll let you get back to work. Uh, be, beware of paper cuts, as I, I, I'm sure okay. you all, all, always are. <laughs> be sure to give our best. <laughs> be sure to give our best to the crew out there, uh, to Steve, to Ann Newman, to everyone at Rancho Obi Wan. They're great friends of us here at the Forcecast. Jay, we're proud of you for taking on this noble cause. This, this it's a noble gesture of yours to go out there, lend your expertise and uh, a little elbow grease to Rancho Obi Wan. So uh, get it all nice and cleaned up for when me and Jason come out there. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jay. All right, buddy. Thanks, Jake. Good to hear from you. Jay Shepard, Jovial Jay, uh, half of the team behind the uh, Jedi Journals, one of the newer programs here on the Forcecast Network, reporting live from Steve Sansweet's Rancho Obi-Wan. And I'll tell you what, he you're right, Jim. He is the Jocasta New. He really <laughs> he really is the Jocasta New of the Star Wars universe. Uh, it's, it's certainly. But uh, at any rate, hey, before we go any further, I do want to stop and uh, mention that this uh program is coming to you because of the generosity of good folks like the people at audible.com you know we're talking about uh books we're talking about eu and there's probably no better way to catch up or consume your expanded universe than through audible.com and their great selection of uh of audio books they are your number one source the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment information educational programming you download this stuff right from their website, play it back on your PC, burn it to a CD, 
or come on, this is 2011, for God's sakes. You're going to put it on your personal media player, whether it's an iPod, an iPhone, an Android phone, whatever. They have apps available for your iOS and Android devices, just about anything you can imagine, down to like GPS, TomTom devices. You can, there's a file format that supports any of these different types of media players. Over 80,000 hours. 80,000 hours. That's, that's more hours, Jim, than we have in our own Forcecast archives, I think, although we're getting close. I think we're getting close. I've worked that many hours on the show. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't doubt that. Just this week alone. <laughs> the great thing is you get to listen whenever and wherever you want. If you're listening to the Forcecast, you know how great it is to have portable audio entertainment right at your fingertips. And Audible.com is a great provider of that sort of thing. Uh, just about every genre, Audible has it covered from the latest and greatest bestsellers to the classics. Um a thousand different science and technology and over 1,100 different science fiction and fantasy titles. More being added, of course, all the time. Over 140 different results when you search for Star Wars. And I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to offer you a free audiobook download of your choice. All you have to do is go to audiblepodcast.com slash TFN. That's audiblepodcast.com slash TFN. Go there right now. Sign up today. No obligation to stay involved and you get to keep your free audiobook from the good folks at Audible. And I do want to mention we got an email here from Mike Drum from our own Ohio, not too far from the Placial Forecast Studios from Sandusky. That's where Cedar Point is. It's probably the only way people might know of Sandusky, Ohio. Cedar Point. He says, hey, Forcecast, just wanted to thank you all for the time you guys put into the show each and every week. I really needed the Forcecast this week. It's been an extra stressful week of work, and all of the shows you produce have come in extra handy. I have some really long days and nights, but I had a collector's cast and a Clone Wars roundtable to help me out. When I was through with those shows, I kept my earbuds in and turned on my Audible app, thanks to the Forcecast. I don't have a Star Wars audiobook this week. Conan the Barbarian! It's pretty awesome to hear. The voice of the audiobook is Todd McLaren, and he brings the story to life. There are a bunch of short stories compiled together. The compilation I'm listening to is called The Savage Sword of Conan, or as George Lucas calls it, The Savage Sword of Conan. <laughs> well played. <laughs> Anyways, he says, I also really enjoyed the Jedi Journals podcast. They reminded me that Knight Errant was out and gave it good reviews, along with a great interview with John Jackson Miller. I had to have it then. My local Borders was sold out. Thankfully, I found a copy at another Borders in, that's right, Canton, Ohio. Sandusky boy coming all the way down to Canton, Ohio to buy his uh, his copy of Night Errant. He goes, that has been great so far this week. I know I still have the weekly forecast to look forward to today. And as long as I keep the people at work at bay, I can listen in relative peace. Thanks so much for everything yeah. you do. Yeah, you know what that's like, right, Jimmy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep the people, you know, work would be great, except for all those people I have to deal with. Uh, Star Wars and the Forcecast Productions have kept me sane this week. Great to hear from Mike, and it's another testament to how great it is to have Audible.com content as uh, certainly a uh, uh, once once you get through, of course, all of your Forcecast podcasts, you need something else to listen to, and Audible is a great source for that sort of thing. So big thanks to Mike, and big thanks to Audible. Once again, that URL, audiblepodcast.com slash TFN. Go there for your free audiobook download. And Mike was talking about the uh, the Jedi Journals. We want to remind you about the Collector's Edition, hosted by Dan Curto and James Burns. If you didn't know, they've been busy this week 
covering Toy Fair 2011 out in New York City. And their very first podcast from the event has uh, been posted this week. And this is just a teaser. Only, I, I tell you what, it left me wanting more because I listen to this thing and I'm like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And what's really cool to know is if you listen to this, they've got a ton of content coming. They interviewed just about uh, a rep from just about every one of the major Star Wars licensees. And that's all going to be coming your way, courtesy of the Forcecast Network. Tons of great stuff. The best, most comprehensive analysis of all the new product announcements and releases uh, when it comes to Star Wars out of Toy Fair. So check that out here. That's available at Forcecast.net and, of course, uh, on iTunes. Also, this is pretty cool. Our friends at IndieCast, if you're an Indiana Jones fan, you might want to check this out. They released the first in their own read-along adventure series of podcasts. This is pretty cool. It's an enhanced podcast. What you can do is you can actually flip through the pages and you watch these pages change as the whip cracks. And Jim, I don't. Do you remember the read-along books? Oh yeah, yeah. I used to I used to spin them on my turntable when I was a little kid in both uh, thirty-three and a third and forty-five RPM. Some of our younger listeners are like, "What the hell is he talking about?" <laughs> well, talking vinyl, kiddos. And this is a very similar experience to that. You you read along with the comic. You have the uh, the pages are right up there on your computer monitor or your iPhone, and uh, you can actually flip the pages with the whip crack. And I gotta say, this is one fabulous audio drama. The guy they got to do Sean Connery's character, Doctor Henry Jones Senior, fantastic. What a great Sean Connery this guy does. Really adds to the whole atmosphere of the thing. It's such a fantastic thing to listen to. You can even enjoy it without even looking at the pages when you're driving around. Just listen. I don't recommend looking at the pages while you drive around and you're listening. But, (laughs) you know, it's Indiana Jones. So maybe if adventure has a name, it must be driving while staring at your iPod (laughs) and listening to the IndyCast. Well, the IndyCast... (laughs) <laughs> is of course available at, 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 at the Forcecast Network and Ed Dollista and all those guys, they do a great job. And what a creative and clever thing. This this adventure is called Indiana Jones and the Curse of the Death Mask. What I love about yes. these guys is there may not be an Indiana Jones movie you know, on the way anytime real soon. I think it's in the pipeline. And they're making their own indie adventures, and it's just so cool. Of course, in Star Wars, it wasn't the whip crack. It was when you hear, you turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Uh, one last uh, little uh, bit of housekeeping here. I do want to mention that uh, if you've uh, been to theforcecast.net lately and read any of our show posts, we do have a, uh, a an item on there about contributing to the Forcecast network. And uh, this is something that, you know, we've really – we haven't done. And we have get lots of emails from folks saying, hey, you know, I listen to every episode of the Forcecast that comes out. Is there any way that I can contribute? Can I can I make a donation? What's the deal? And we've really kind of avoided it. But I tell you what, we just are kind of crushed by how much opportunities have come our way. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to violate our mission of no fan left behind just because uh, we, we don't have the funds to make this stuff happen. And if you'd like to contribute to the Forcecast, you can do that at forcecast.net slash contribute 
Ask.asp. You can make a monthly uh, subscription kind of contribution. We've got $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, or you can just say, hey, I'll make a one-time uh, only donation. And it helps keep the Forest Cast going. You know, we're expanding the programming. We're really getting knee-deep into uh, the publishing uh, world with uh, Jedi Journals. We got Dan Curto and James Burns out there in New York doing uh, the Collector's Edition. Uh, Jimmy and I, we want to be traveling. We want to be doing more things to truly leave no fan left behind. And while you enjoy the Forcecast and there's no charge and we don't ever, ever, ever want to charge for our content, it, it, it might become free to you guys, but it's not free to produce. You know, And it's just one of those things where... Um, we could only grow so far, so fast for so long without doing something like this. And uh, we do hope that we'll get some support for you guys from you guys. Right, Jim? We've, we're already starting to get that support. As a matter of fact, longtime Forcecast listener Pedro, a.k.a. Jorbex, I believe, Jason, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he was actually the first Forcecast contributor. Right. He was. He was. He's uh, he's making a monthly contribution to uh, our effort here at the Forcecast. And uh, like Jimmy said, longtime listener. And I, I mean, I remember uh, some of the first emails we, we got uh, were from uh, were from Pedro Jorbex, as he's known as uh, on the on the forums and whatnot. And it was great to meet him at Fan Days good guy and i really really we really appreciate that we'll certainly put the uh, the funds to good use you know it's just going to help us create better programming uh and uh get us out there and uh able to cover star wars the way it needs to be covered and like i said we have so many doors that have opened for us over the years and the one thing that you know that's holding us back is just the realities of you know uh everyday life which you guys are all of course familiar with you know um so this is just one way you can make a difference in uh, the kind of coverage that we're able to provide. Once again, that's forcecast.net slash contribute dot ASP. And if you're so moved, we certainly would appreciate it. little piece of Forcecast trivia, as long as we're talking about Jorbex. There was a time, I remember, our friend Jorbex from Mexico actually hosted the Forcecast. Or should I say, El Forcecast. Bienvenidos al Forcecast Su dosis semanal de noticias y comentario de Star Wars Esta estación es ahora el máximo poder del universo Y sugiero que la utilicemos Dije, todos los sistemas están en alerta, señor Roger, roger Y ahora con ustedes, su anfitrión de Forcecast, Jorbex Será un gran honor si nos acompañan Hola y bienvenidos al Forcecast, su dosis semanal de noticias de Star Wars. Yo como siempre soy Jorbex y estoy encantado de estar con ustedes el día de hoy. Antes que nada le damos las gracias a nuestro patrocinador, Official Picks. Recuerden visitar officialpicks.com, Picks es con X, su fuente de autógrafos y fotografías oficiales de Star Wars. I love it. I love it. Of course, memories from April Fool's Day 2008. So thank you, Jorbex, for helping us pull off that elaborate prank. Will we be pulling another prank this year in the year 2011? I don't know. So stay tuned. <laughs> but you can always look back in your archives and check out April Fool's 2008 to hear all of El Forcecast. This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. All right, it's time for Billy D's quote of the week. Jimmy Mack, I would imagine that by now 
Billy D's appearance on USA's White Collar. It's in the can. We've seen it. We've we we, we watched it. And was there anything quote worthy? Well, Jason, I heard a few things going on in that fantastic, fantastic dramatic run that Billy D did on the show White Collar. He played a, a an old time con man going, and he's trying to to hit the big the big uh, scam to make all the cash, and then he can retire from his his con man ways. <laughs> he that last big score, the last big score, the big score, and I thought it was fantastic. Now. Now, here's the deal. My week, extremely busy. We had Wendy's birthday over the weekend. Plenty of embarrassing footage from that event on SnyderMarksRadio.net. So I didn't have time to actually comb through the episode, White Collar, to pull the Billy D quote of the week. So, you know who comes to the rescue? My buddy, Chicago-born filmmaker and faithful Forecast listener, J.C. Reifenberg. And J.C., is currently producing a Star Wars fan film called Hughes the Force, which is apparently <laughs> Star Wars John Hughes mashup, which is totally cool for me because John Hughes is from the same town I'm from and, you know, suburbs of Chicago. A lot of his films, like 16 Candles, Weird Science, uh, um, Breakfast Club, stuff of that nature was, was filmed in the neighborhoods in my suburb and actually in certain cases, right down the street from where I grew up. So I have an affection for John Hughes. I have a huge affection for star Wars, JC Reifenberg and his crew. They feel the same way. So they're developing this fan film called Hughes, the force. And from, from what they've told me about it, it seems very ambitious. Uh, they're going to start shooting it very soon. There's going to be a website. Hughes, the We'll let you know when that site goes live, so there you, there you have it. J.C. comes through, though. What he does, he comes through not only in producing a, a Star Wars fan film, but he comes through in supplying us with Billy D material from White Collar. Now, this is different from previous quotes of the week. A, because I don't know what we're going to hear right now. The, typically, I choose the quotes of the week. I pick them. I play them. In this particular case, these are mystery montages. J.C. sent about five minutes of Billy D material from this show. <laughs> Billy D, he did a lot of work on this show. He had a ton of dialogue. He was a big player on this show. So let's see what JC put together. We're going to listen to his first montage. And let's just see if there's anything quote worthy here in this quick montage. Oh, you must be Neil. Hi, it's a pleasure. I miss <laughs> the old neighborhood to say the least. June has been kind enough to make a few donations to my new apartment. We both know how generous she is. That looks like one of Byron's suits. Byron and I work together. Something like that. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. You mind if I come in? (laughs) Oh, it looks different now. (laughs) All right. Not bad. Okay. Not bad, you know, everything taken out of context. Somehow, Billy D adds like a a certain sort of flair to whatever he does. I gotta gotta be honest, Billy D can make anything sound dirty. You know, I mean, (laughs) he could read Cat in a Hat and make that sound dirty. Exactly. (laughs) All right, so JC, he sent us a ton of material, and I I really, I randomly picked this stuff. I did it actually while we were recording the roundtable. I'd even listen to this stuff. Is that what I heard? 
<laughs> At one point, yes, it did kind of bleed through. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Here's our second montage, courtesy of J.C. Reifenberg. Billy D on White Collar. Well, you know, Neil, uh, the reason why I came is because I want to set the record straight. You know how it is. Uh, you tell people that you've done time and they have a bad way of looking at you. June told me a little, but given your current situation, I was hoping that you'd understand. You know, me and Byron, this is our place. We had three games of five-card stud going around the clock. Good rake? Well, we made a lot of green, especially since the joint was nicely juiced. <laughs> Don't you have a mechanic? Kid, I was the mechanic. What's that mean? Kid, okay. I was the mechanic. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> this place was juiced. <laughs> All right, so thanks a lot, JC. What I'm going to do is I'm going to really sit down and listen to this five minutes of material, and I will choose the definitive Billy D quote of the week from his appearance on White Collar, USA Network's White Collar, and we'll feature that next week on the quote of the week. There's a lot of stuff going on in Billy D quotes lately. He's appearing everywhere again. I believe he had another appearance on Kimmel. There's some other things I've seen that have cracked me up. But for right now, we're pushing that aside. We're focusing in on White Collar. And you know who else is focusing in on White Collar and Billy D? Our pal, Sonny in New Orleans, who sent us this email. He says... You mentioned that Billy D was starring in White Collar with Diane Carroll, but you failed to remind the audience that Diane Carroll was associated with Star Wars before Billy D. She was the hologram in the infamous <laughs> holiday special, which Wikipedia lists her works as Mermia Holographic Wow. That's in quotes. <laughs> Sonny continues, I feel that name is very appropriate. I am sure I am I'm not sure he does. I'm sure Sonny. <laughs> he says, I am sure I am not the only boy who felt this way. <laughs> Sonny can also make anything sound dirty. I really wish Sonny left this as a voicemail because we know that's what he's most famous for. But he does have a very, very talented way with the keyboard as well. And I'm hearing this all in his voice. I'm not of doing him justice. Sonny continues. I watched that holiday special when it aired, and my pop recorded it for me on our suitcase-sized beta machine. <laughs> I lost my innocence that <laughs> night. And then, here we go. Here we go. This is Vintage Sunny. My nine-year-old body did things I never experienced before. I watched that part over and over again for years. Please play the clip. Please, he asked. Please, Forcecast, play the clip and remind those who don't remember. Yes, my friends, that is Diane Carroll. Thank you, Diane. It may have been a Wookiee holiday, but it was certainly special for me and you. So, of course, I believe it was Bonnie Burton who dubbed this particular scene from the holiday special as Wookiee porn. And uh, this was the scene when Itchy... That's right. Itchy the Wookiee put on the holographic goggles and watched Diane Carroll in a very tight leotard roll around and talk in a very sultry, sexy way. And this scene went on for like 20 minutes. You can't make and this we, stuff up, folks. This is <laughs> this is a holiday special. This is why we've not seen this re-released on DVD. This is why it never gets rerun on TV. It's probably this scene in particular. <laughs> 
If you don't remember, let us remind you with this little audio nugget. Oh, yes. I can feel my creation. <laughs> I'm getting your message. Are you getting mine? Oh, oh. We are excited, aren't we? Here we go. Now, Billy D should have been in that scene, not that itchy, the, the Wookiee. You should have been <laughs> sitting there with those goggles on saying, works every time. <laughs> oh, my. Well, you know, Billy D got on the set of Return of the Jedi and took one look at that Sarlacc pit. And uh, <laughs> you know what a he saw? Higher, a little higher. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's not the first time he's been grabbed by one of those. All right, Billy D on Twitter. We did confirm that uh, real BDW on Twitter is indeed the real Billy D. Williams. And I'm happy to say, since we announced confirmation of his Twitter profile during last week's forecast, his numbers rose from 177 to 755 as of the start of tonight's live show. Don't forget, you can follow Billy D on Twitter. Just go to twitter.com slash real BDW. That's real BDW. And please tell Billy D that the force cast sent you. And Jim, speaking of Billy D and Twitter, we <laughs> we never did make it happen last week. We talked about this bit on the Jimmy Kimmel show, and I think you finally tracked it down. Yeah, that's right. This is Billy D. Williams doing one of his infamous commemorative plate Television spot parodies on the Jimmy Kimmel show. He's done several of them. He's done a tribute to uh, the mistresses of Tiger Woods. He's done tributes to the ex-wives of Larry King. And on one particular, very it was a very special episode of the Jimmy Kimmel show. Billy D did a parody commercial, commemorative plate commercial, dedicated to the tweets of Miley Cyrus. Hello, I'm Billy D. Williams. And now you and your family can relive all of Miley's greatest tweets with the Miley Cyrus commemorative tweet plate collection. Order now. And every month you'll receive a limited edition hand-fired plate featuring one of Miley's classic tweets. Who could forget? Chili cheese fries for breakfast. Num num. I have the hiccups, y'all. And... Just bought way too much music on iTunes. Someone stop me. <laughs> With these elegantly crafted plates accented in 24-karat gold leaf, you'll be able to share Miley's sorrows. Lost my lucky bracelet. Sad face. My whole day is ruined. And her joys. OMG, I found my lucky bracelet. It was in the cup holder in my car. I don't know and I don't care how it got there. Do dot do good times. Good times indeed. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, your headlines for this week. I love that bit. That is great. That's great. All right. Well, if you've been watching The Clone Wars, of course, you know that Liam Neeson reprised his role as the Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn on the series. And it really, really, the, the, the whole, you can listen to it on the roundtables, the analysis. 
But that whole Mortis trilogy just, I think, just shook Star Wars fandom uh, to the core. And it really, really um, kicked it up a notch as far as the Clone Wars goes. And uh, Liam Neeson apparently making the promotional rounds for his latest film, Unknown, and had a chance to catch up with the guys at IGN about reprising his role as Qui-Gon. Would I do it again? Sure, yeah, I would. Yeah, we had fun, and it wasn't a huge commitment, you know. They called and asked, would I supply the voice? Because Sam Jackson was doing his guy, and he wanted first dibs to refuse or not. So they called me and said, well, Sam Jackson's doing his, because he feels that's his character, and it should be his voice. And I thought, okay, well, that's fair enough. I'll, I'll do mine. It was nice. It was nice to do, yeah. What? What? Well, I think, I th- okay, what we're talking about here is <laughs> Sam Jackson came back to do it for the movie. Right. But right. not not in the, certainly not in the Mortis trilogy. The character wasn't even in there. But So Liam was just, uh, I, I guess that was what they, that was one of the things that they used to convince him to come back and do it. Well, well Sam Jackson does it for us. You yeah. come back and, and it, do it for well, us. <laughs> he did it so, one time. So the teacher. <laughs> Also, they dangle the carrot in front of him where they said, you know, Sam Jackson, he gets right of first refusal. Ah. By, by telling him that, then they're saying, Liam, guess what? You now have right of first refusal. And so that's kind of a power thing. It's like, here, we're handing you this power. We're yeah. saying, you know, character is yours. You have right. You, you can refuse it, but we come to you first. And so that sort of, uh, you know, says, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do it. You know, he's, he's all down with that. And, and we have to give a shout out to uh, our buddy Lynn Hale over at Lucasfilm, Director of Communications. It was actually Lynn who had the idea to bring Liam back to do the voiceover work for The Clone Wars. She's actually the one who reached out to him. So it was her magic that got Liam Neeson back to Star Wars. And he's telling IGN that he's done it once and, yeah, he'll do it again. That so we might even be seeing more Qui Gon in would future be episodes. Of that would be great. I mean, I don't think that um, you know, d- d- you know, Lucas. Look, the Clone Wars crew is uncannily good at being able to find different uh, voice doubles, or in the case of someone like Matt Lanter, you find somebody that just is able to take the role and make it their own, and you, you end up forgetting uh, who had the the role originally. Um, so no doubt that they would have found someone suitable for the voice of Qui-Gon, not unlike they did for the Gendy series, who did a, who did a fine job. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember the name of that voice actor. But uh, certainly, with given the weight that this episode and the, these episodes were to have, like I said, they sent shockwaves throughout the Star Wars fandom. You just couldn't do it. If it, was, if it was even remotely possible to have Liam Neeson, you couldn't do it without him. And the episodes, particularly the third part, Ghosts of Mortis, is so much better. That scene has so much more weight of act by actually having Liam Neeson doing the doing the role. He's got such a great voice, and it's one of my all time favorite Star Wars characters, Qui Gon Jinn. So to see him come back and come back in such a uh, uh, canonical, we'll say canonical way, by having him voiced by by Liam is just so cool. So cool. So I'm really, really glad about that. But when we covered this last week or not last week, but a couple weeks ago on the force cast, uh, we started talking about, you know, why that scene was never shot, why we don't get the big payoff in uh, revenge of the Sith with a 
force ghost of Qui-Gon. We got an email, and I don't actually see who this email is from, but I'm sure a faithful Forcecast listener uh, says, Hey, guys, I just got the opportunity to listen to the January 28th podcast, and Jimmy mentions that there's never been any reason given why Liam Neeson couldn't return to appear in the scripted Ghost of Qui-Gon scene for Revenge of the Sith. But I thought the common word was that Liam's motorcycle accident around the time of the shoot precluded him from actually making an appearance. Is this the line of explanation you've heard in the past? And Jim, I had forgotten about this until I saw this email. Yeah, the, the email is uh, from our buddy Damon Blalack. And um, yeah, you know, I'd have to go back and research this and figure out about the timing. But uh, I, I, you know, I, for one, Jason, this is, this is news to me. I didn't realize that uh, Liam was in, in a bad motorcycle accident, that somehow that news eluded me somehow and uh i never knew that that could have been something that kept him away from the recording booth for revenge of the sith i don't know i damon's asking is this the line of explanation you've heard in the past and my answer to that is no this is quite honestly news to me and something that we'll probably have to look into and get our facts straight on it for sure yeah what we've got here i've got a story on imdb from december 28 2000 oh great december 28 2000 uh, actor, actor Liam Neeson has kept uh, the leather jacket he almost died in as it was a special gift from Steven Spielberg. Uh, blah, 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 blah. He, um, after a near-fatal motorbike accident by uh, in the summer of 2000. So this was summer of 2000. He was involved in that accident. So um, this would have probably precluded him from, from doing something in uh, Attack of the Clones, but certainly not Revenge of the Sith, which was being shot in 2003-2004. So right. I don't think the the timeline lines up. I did re- recall that, and I think a lot of us thought that maybe he would appear in Attack of the Clones, um, not knowing how the how the how the films were going to play out. So maybe that's something that uh, Damon remembered and kind of mixed mixed the two movies up together. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, as far as I remember, there's no real reason why they didn't shoot that scene. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Maybe this is maybe this is going to be like Jim the lost, uh, uh, you know, Tatooine scene with Luke at the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Maybe we'll be at a convention in twenty five years from now, and they'll be like, "Hey, guess what we found?" Well, a lot of people, a lot of people have been writing emails similar to this next one I'm going to read. This is from Rami Shana Day. I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but he says. We know that Liam Neeson was in a recording studio to do his lines for The Clone Wars. And we know how George loves to tweak his movies every time they're re-released. Who's to say they didn't ask Liam to read an extra few lines of dialogue that can be edited into the Blu-ray version of Revenge of the Sith so we finally get our Yoda Qui-Gon scene? Yoda's already GCI as well as most of the sets. Frank Oz has a home recording studio, so getting him to read his lines for Yoda's part is easy. Well, okay, that's what you think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to me, to me, it seems like it would have been a terrible missed opportunity to have Liam in the studio and not try to put this together. A lot of people are speculating the same thing as Rami is, where they just assume that, well, they had him in the studios. Why not have him do a couple extra lines? Why so not? As a force goes. Who knows? I mean, we'll find out at the end of this year. I mean, not even. You know, we're just a few months away. It's already February, kids. We got about seven months to wait. And those seven months is going to fly by. 
And then we're going to be at Star Wars Fan Days 4 talking about how incredible it was to see the spirit of Qui-Gon in Revenge of the Sith finally. Who knows? I hope we're having that conversation. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are speculating about that. Of course, me and Jason don't have any particular insight as to whether or not Liam did record those lines. Um, even if he did, no one would tell us because they know that you guys are all listening to everything we say. So now, if you <laughs> listen, like wildfire, if they told us, but. if you listen to the roundtable for this uh, for the ghosts of Mortis, you'll hear Kyle Newman say that look. The, the, the critical issue for Star Wars fans today is not did Han shoot first. It's not is Vader's lightsaber too pink in the DVD of, uh, of A New Hope. Uh, it, it is where is Qui-Gon in Episode 3. Kyle thinks that this is the fundamental issue facing Star Wars fans today. Uh, he says that's much more, much more integral to the overall uh, story of the saga. Where is Qui-Gon? He thinks that that is, that is a piece of the puzzle, Jim, that has to be put back into Revenge of the Sith for the whole thing to come together. And I got to say, I really love how Kyle has taken that stance because the way he puts it, I mean, my God, he's so right. He said, why are we as fandom so concerned over whether or not Greedo or Han shot first when we should be, <laughs> we should be pulling our energies to question why? There was no Qui-Gon in Revenge of the Sith. We all were expecting it. it was just one of the pieces of the puzzle that was sadly left off and, and off the table. And, and here we are with an incomplete puzzle. A, a lot of us fans feel that way. So you never know. We might actually get that scene. I personally am not holding my breath waiting for it. I think it would be cool. I would love to see it. But uh, will we actually see it? Time will tell. But if I were a betting man, I would not take that bet. This is James Arnold Taylor, voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm Master Pro Cool, and you're listening to the Forcecast. James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Clone Wars, announced earlier this week that he will be the official host of the four-weekend event known as, of course, Star Wars Weekends at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Florida his post said, okay, big announcement. I've just accepted Disney's offer to be the event host of Star Wars Weekends 2011. I'll be in Florida for four weeks from May 20th through June. Shoot, the date is cut off here. June 12th. June 12th. Thank you. Why is that cut off? It's really annoying. Uh, and I'm excited about this opportunity. I can't thank the folks at Disney enough. Now, we covered this a story similar to this last week on the Forcecast where we talked about Ashley Eckstein being the celebrity host at Star Wars Weekends throughout the summer. And uh, James cleared up the confusion. He says, just so to be clear, Ashley will still be hosting all month long as well as for the... Uh, hold on one second. This stupid thing got cut off. James says, uh, so let's just be clear, Ashley is still hosting all month, as well as for the uh, Behind the Force show. But James says he'll be the host of the whole event. Plus, on top of it all, Disney is allowing him to perform a half-hour version of his new one-man show as a bonus to the celebration. It, it'll be the world premiere, and he's very excited about it. 
Now, that's very cool because I, I, for one, know that James has really been busting his tail on this one-man show. It's his return to the stage. And he uh, locked himself up in a hotel room a few months ago and, and just busted out what is probably an incredible show that takes full advantage of all of his talents and his humor and his personality. So that's going to be fantastic to get the opportunity to see James perform a half-hour version of this show. And this is a show that I certainly hope to see be it at a convention, a future celebration, or just a club, maybe somewhere in L.A. I would go out there to see James perform because I think so highly of his talent. So that is a big-time bonus to everyone going to Disney Star Wars yeah, weekends this year. Something that's never happened before and uh, something that you're – it's a unique experience that you'll be able to take in along with the whole Disney kaboom that happens every year at Disney Hollywood Studios in Florida. Yeah, and uh, once again, so it, you, you'll you'll not only get James Arnold Taylor, but you also get Ashley Eckstein uh, as well. So that's very cool. May twentieth through June twelfth, Star Wars weekends. Uh, Jim, we got to get down there for one of those. Man, we got to absolutely. Get down there. Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Star Wars and the Disney connection, um, if you've been following the uh, developments of the revamped Star Tours, you know that uh, there have already been several characters that have been. Announced that will uh, figure into the new production, including C-3PO and R2-D2, of course. Uh, the two new droids, um, they were featured recently on one of their blog posts. The Star Tours pilot ace, known as uh, AC-38, and the spokespot, Ali San San, or San San, or whatever. But what about the rest of the characters? Jim, I go back to uh, a couple of years ago where, if you remember, emails were coming in fast and furious saying George Lucas is in LA he's shooting he's shooting something new at Star Wars and there's these characters do you remember that all those rumors going around oh, yeah. yes I do I know there are certain friends of ours in the LA area who were flipping out as this news was breaking uh, the rumors turned out to be true George was actually present on the soundstage for some of the uh, the material shot for this new Star Tours revamp. We know Anthony Daniels got back in the C-3PO costume and uh, performed some new scenes as 3PO's exclusively for this ride. And um, also, uh, I believe last week it was, we learned that uh, George has actually gone on the ride a few times. Him and Rick McCallum went on a few times and, right. and gave the whole production a big thumbs up. So, but, but there were other characters. There were other characters that were spotted during this, uh, during this shoot. And uh, we now have confirmation that, yes, Darth Vader will be uh, a part of the new Star Tours ride, uh, accompanied, of course, by yep. legions of stormtroopers and some brand new troopers designed just for the ride, the Sky Troopers. Wow. So those, uh, so we'll see what those guys are like. Hasbro can't wait to make a Sky Trooper figure, I'm sure. Uh, Boba Fett, I remember that was one of the characters that was being talked about. Yeah, Boba Fett was spotted, and George Lucas is shooting new scenes with Boba Fett. Uh, he's going to figure into the ride. Uh, also, Yoda. Interesting to find out who's going to do the voice for Yoda. Will it be Frank Oz? My money's on Tom Kane. Tom Kane. Uh, also, Admiral Akbar. Admiral Akbar will be uh, um, uh, a character in the new Star Tours, and this is this is big. The next one, this is big. Princess Leia. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the first time that a you know non puppet, non masked character has been a part of Star Tours. So I'm wondering, you know, is it going to be 
like uh, who's who's going to be? Who's going to play Princess Leia? Uh, is it going to be just be like outtakes that they uncovered as they were preparing the Blu-ray release? Could right. it be a CGI thing? Could it be a recast? Yeah, all I, new Princess Leia. It could be an all new Princess Leia. I mean, after all, you know, they don't have the original Snow White, the original, you know, <laughs> the original Minnie Mouse, whatever. I mean, they could they could probably uh, pull off one of those. Uh, uh, what do they call them? They don't call themselves characters. What do they call themselves? The the, the Disney cast. You know the people that play the characters out there. They, they have just a certain call themselves name? cast members, don't they? Oh, that's right. They're not. They're not employees. They're cast members. Yeah. Cast members. That's right. So it could be just one of those uh, playing Princess Leia. But so we got we got the two new droids. We've got R two three PO. We've got Darth Vader. We've got Sky Troopers. Brand new troopers for this. Uh, Storm Troopers. Boba Fett. Yoda. Admiral Akbar. Princess Leia. It's going to be really exciting, and that all. Gets unveiled on May twentieth at uh, at Disney. So can't wait. I'll go on the new one and I'll keep my eyes open the whole time. <laughs> I hope so. You know, I told Michael Mac that story. I said, "Yeah, we had a great time." You know, I looked over at Jason. He had his eyes closed. <laughs> and he goes, "What a wimp! What a wimp!" Says the 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 twelve year old. How old's Michael now? He'll be 12 in May. 12, yeah. What a wimp. All right, last week we talked about uh, Sir Christopher Lee being uh, given a one of the highest honor that uh, an English actor can be bestowed uh, at, the, uh, at the BAFTA Awards, the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. They did in, indeed present Sir Christopher with the Academy Fellowship at the Orange British Academy Film Awards ceremony at London's Royal Opera House. And uh, we have some quotes here from Christopher Lee as he accepted his award at the ceremony. I do feel a little bit like the man who said, uh, I can't wait to hear what I've got to say. (laughs) And, you know, uh, Christopher Lee, I got to say, you know, he's he's still a very sharp guy and and, uh, you know, he deserves all my respect in the world, but he is starting to show his age a little bit. And, um, and, uh, he was moving very slowly on that stage with the help of a cane and, uh, and he is looking older. So I'm just, I'm happy that he's getting the honors that he so richly deserves at a time in his life when he can really appreciate it. Age is catching up to him a little bit. And I was, I was a little, I felt a little sad you know, seeing uh, a guy who's really turned into one of my idols of the s- silver screen um, showing his age so much. You know, there's yeah. nothing you could do about it. Everyone well, he's pushing 90, isn't he? He's yeah, I, 90 I, I mean, what an amazing talent. What an amazing career. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, he's just he's starting to show his age a little bit. Uh, uh. Yeah. Do, you have the, do you have the other clip? Uh, apparently he was interviewed after. Uh, accepting the award. Do you have that, Jim? Because I don't have it. Yeah, after the uh, the award ceremony, he uh, was uh, being interviewed by uh, British media, and um, and uh, this, this you know this is this is a big night for Christopher Lee, of course, and it, it made him very retrospective, and he started thinking about a lot of the characters that he made famous, and um, he was talking a lot about. Uh, the, the characters he's probably most well known for are the bad guys in film. Playing these parts is much more interesting because you can do more with a man with a black hat. Yeah. 
you can be amusing, you can be sarcastic, you can be funny, you can be attractive, you can be this. You can be all sorts of things. But the most important thing for me is to do something in the film which nobody expects. You know, when I hear that, Jim, we got to get a hold of that audio that Mark Dermal has of that interview that they did with Christopher Lee. If you listen to the last week's forecast, you know, we talked to Mark Dermal and about the Save the Lars uh, Homestead project. And he mentioned that he did a uh, conducted a fairly lengthy interview that he recorded with the one and only Sir Christopher Lee a number of years ago, uh, not long after his um, turn as Count Dooku in the Star Wars films. And I would love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. He said he just told story after story after story. You know, two hundred plus films this guy's been a part of. So uh, they certainly picked a good, a good recipient for the big, the big award there at the Baftas. Absolutely. Uh, let's see, John Jackson Miller. This is interesting. Um, recently announced that he's going to be speaking on a panel at C two E two for Star Wars books and Del Rey Spectra. Now that's kind of uh, interesting because I think Jim, I'm not, I this is any kind of grand announcement, but all plans at this point are that you and I are going to be also there at C2E2 covering the convention live as we did last year. Looking forward to uh, spending another uh, night or two on the futon in yes. Jimmy Mac's Star Wars room. So uh, we'll be there to talk to John Jackson Miller and cover his panel. Yeah, that's great news. I wasn't sure if you were going to make it out here or not. And uh, I've already warned the family that... <laughs> Jason might be coming to town next month, and they're all like, awesome. I'm a pretty low-maintenance house guest, don't you think? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely, <laughs> with, without question. And uh, and so, wow, that's great news. Um, I'm hoping that there will be a Clone Wars episode that airs that weekend so we can actually you know do a roundtable maybe from C2E2. That'd be um, great. There's going to be more Star Wars announcements being made here in the uh, upcoming weeks. C2E2 happens in the middle of... March, I believe those dates are uh, March 18th through the 20th, downtown Chicago at McCormick Place, an amazing, huge state-of-the-art convention center right in the south loop of Chicago. And uh, I would love to see Celebration hit Chicago. I got to tell you, I'd love to see Celebration hit Chicago. It would be perfect. It would be perfect. This is the perfect location. And with George Lucas spending so much time in Chicago – who knows what could happen if they actually had a celebration here. So um, it seems like their, their, their plan is sort of an East Coast, West Coast, East Coast, West Coast. But who knows? I mean, you know, a Celebration 5, I, I think, uh, was a big success. And I, I'm pretty sure we'll be hearing some rumors about Celebration 6 here in the next year, year and a half. Uh, we'll learn a little more of it. I've already heard rumors about 2012. Um, I know that Reed uh, will be involved in a, again with uh, – with Lucasfilm, and so uh, maybe next month, we, if we start rubbing elbows with the right people, we might get <laughs> some scoop about when and where Celebration 6 is going to happen, because I know Star Wars fans are already looking forward to that convention. They started looking forward to it the day Celebration 5 ended. No so doubt. if we learn anything, we'll pass it along to you, but for right now, we're sort of in a holding pattern. We're looking forward to Star Wars fan days. We're looking forward to smaller events like C2E2, and I happen to know, I do have some inside scoop that we will be hearing more about uh, Star Wars type activities, 
or personalities that are going to be at C2E2 in the upcoming week. So like I said, that's downtown Chicago, March 18th through the 20th, McCormick Place. We will be there. The Force Gas will be there. I will. I got to clean all the dog hair off the futon, um, but you can cuddle up with my stuffed wampa from Celebration 5. I will actually <laughs> let you cuddle with him. Speaking of conventions, this reminded me of a story that uh, I somehow we skipped, but... There's a Star Wars convention coming to Guatemala, May 6th through the 8th. This is Star Wars Mega Convention. This will be the biggest Star Wars convention event ever in Guatemala. Special guests include Steve Sansweet, Gus Lopez, and Academy Award winner and special effects czar Lorne Peterson. Now, that's pretty cool. But what's interesting about this, Jim, is this is May 6th through the 8th. This is after Steve Sansweet leaves his official post as head of fan relations, director of content management for Lucasfilm. So for us fans, I thought this was a great, great uh, opportunity to remind ourselves as fans that, you know what, Steve might be leaving the company, Lucasfilm, but he's certainly not leaving Star Wars, and uh, he's jumping right back into it there with the Star Wars Mega Convention in Guatemala, May 6th through the 8th. Hmm. Well, that should be a great time. That should be a fantastic time. I mean, where do you go once you leave Lucasfilm? Send them to Guatemala! <laughs> <laughs> All right, a couple more stories here we want to get to. Uh, this was I thought this was really cool. Have you seen the Millennium Falcon uh, 3D Owner's Guide? That Ryder Wyndham yeah, wrote. that's pretty cool where you uh, pull back the layers and you go right. deeper and deeper into the actual ship itself. Great promo video starring our pal Leland Chi, the keeper of the holocron. You can see that at StarWars.com. Great promo video for that book. Well, you know what? They're taking the same concept and they're applying it to Darth Vader. They've got Dan Wallace, who's going to be writing it. Of course, Dan, uh, known for uh, The Jedi Path uh, most recently. And uh, this is pretty cool. So it's going to be a book about Darth Vader's, essentially his his biology, his you know from the, you know the organic parts to the inorganic parts. It's a three D surgical log, head to toe view of Darth Vader, all of his systems, his organs, his implants, armor, etc. And it's going to be done in that same style where you lift up the layers, and as you keep lifting it up, you uh, you learn more about, of course. Uh, the Dark Lord of the Sith. And uh, this is cool. I guess Tr- Chris Travas, uh, uh, one of the artists that has been featured here on the Forcecast several times, and Chris Reif, they've worked on a number of different Star Wars books. They're going to be providing the art for this particular uh, project. And uh, let's see, do we have a release date on that? I don't think we do yet, but that's coming soon from uh, Becker and Meyer. Star Wars book publisher, so uh, very cool stuff. That ought to be pretty interesting. I bet there'd be some gross stuff in there, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking on gross. Yeah. Come on, that's what everybody wants. We want gross. We got some top Star Wars talent working on that book. Give us what we want. Give us <laughs> gross. Everybody poops, even Darth Vader. Find out how. <laughs> in Darth Vader, a 3D surgical log. Uh... <laughs> Log. Not a log. I don't have a log. All right. <laughs> All right. 
as we keep digging the hole deeper. <laughs> deeper and deeper. Okay, so uh, if you've been listening to the Forcecast the last several weeks, we've been covering some of the uh, scuttlebutt surrounding the Old Republic. This is the massive online role-playing game that uh, was originally set to hit this spring. Sounds like it's more likely to be available uh, and out of beta in the fall. Now, there's been no confirmation from that, but uh, electronic artist CEO John Ricciatello, let's see, Ricciatello, Ricciatello, I don't know, sorry about that, John. He did not confirm whether or not this was going to hit in September, but in a recent conference call with investors, he did have a few things to say. He said that in terms of subscribers, he said, uh, we've previously described to folks that 500,000 subscribers would see the game as substantially profitable, but it's not not the kind of thing we would write home about, but anything north of 1 million subscribers is a very profitable business and uh, if you compare this to well, world of warcraft that is the industry leading mmorpg it has more than 12 million subscribers and you figure in that this has the power of the star wars franchise behind it you can't help but think that they could get over a million subscribers and really turn this into something um again he did not comment on any of the uh, release date rumors but he did uh, offer up some update on the status on where they are as far as the game's development. He says it's currently being put through its paces in a large-scale consumer testing. And despite the fact that there is no release date, most folks are claiming that uh, uh, it will hit sometime in September. And then when we had the story about the Blu-ray release being confirmed for September our wheels started turning into thought, yeah, that's a pretty likely time. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised, Jim, as I, I think more of this, that when you buy the Blu-ray box sets, something tells me there's going to be some kind of a coupon or some kind of a free trial code available yeah. there so you can jump on Star Wars The Old Republic. Yeah, yeah, without question. You know, they, they like to uh, cross-promote, and, and that's the way they should do it, you know? I mean, what's the best way to get news out to Star Wars fans than... By using all the different platforms to promote the other platforms, so right. that's cool. It's going to be a very busy time in September, I, I imagine. We will probably be uh, seeing this video game getting released. We'll be seeing the Blu-ray release. We'll be gearing up for season four of the Clone Wars. We'll be gearing up for the DVD release of season three of the Clone Wars, and of course, we have Fan Days four to look forward to. So. Wow, that's going to be a, a very busy fall in a galaxy far, far away. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's Forcecast for February 18th, 2011. We didn't get to everything, even. There's just too much Star Wars no. going on. Yeah, there sure is. There sure is. It always takes me back to the the idea, the the, the, the dream that I have of being able to do the Forcecast Monday through Friday. And 
that Wouldn't way that we'll blast? always have enough room for all the conversation, all the roundtable discussion, all the listener feedback, all the news stories, all the interviews, everything we want to do. And maybe, maybe someday, maybe someday. <laughs> ah, the dream. Uh, big thanks. By like the, to- what's that? I said I like to dream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if those sports guys and those political guys can have a Monday through Friday show, why can't Star Wars have a Monday through Friday show? We could do it. We could do it. If anybody could do it, we could do it. All right. Big thanks to our own Mace Tawani, Eric Walker, for joining us at the top of the show. Great guy. And if you'd like to learn more about Eric and his music, go to ericwalkermusic.com. The OM, baby. The original Mace. Yes. And we've got a copy, soon to be, hopefully autographed copy, of his CD, Tangier Dream. Going to the winner of our contest. If you can figure out, by watching the first Ewok Adventure film, what famous Disney character can be spotted in the trees... And they do that establishing shot of the Ewok village. Check it out and email us, forcecast at forcecast.net. Subject line, Ewok Adventure. That'll help us find all those entries. That email address, once again, is forcecast at forcecast.net. Great way to stay in contact with us. You can also leave us a voicemail, 330-754-05FC. Let us know what's on your mind. Don't forget about our Twitter feed at twitter.com slash forcecast. And while you're at Twitter, check out Real BDW. That is Billy D. Williams, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend. He's there on Twitter. And please follow him and let him know that the Forcecast sent you. Check out our Facebook page. You can find out our fan page at facebook.com slash forcecast that's where you can preview what's coming up on the live shows pictures of Jimmy Mac Star Wars room who knows maybe there will be a picture of me sleeping on the futon in the Star Wars room (laughs) as we're there to cover C2E2 coming up next month also pics from all of our other convention stops and special events links to stories and a great community of folks there on our Facebook page always filling it up filling up our wall with all kinds of great stories iTunes yeah, is a great yeah. place to uh, subscribe and review all of the shows here at the Forcecast Network. Check that out. Once again, Apple's iTunes. And our home, our source for all things and everything Forcecast, Forcecast.net, our official website. All the shows are there. You can read our blog, check out more photos, and all those archives from the roundtables going back Three seasons. Jim, can you believe that we're almost three seasons in on the round table? It's unbelievable. No, you know, it, it really is because it, it seems like we did that first round table like last month. <laughs> it does. Uh, it, it does feel really, that way. Yeah. Remember we did it for the, the theatrical release? Right. And, uh, that was, uh, it just does not seem like that amount of time has gone by, but yet the characters and the episodes and stories and situations have become so ingrained in our knowledge of what the Star Wars saga is and what it's becoming that 
for me right now, it's hard to even remember Star Wars without the Clone Wars. So it's, it certainly has become enmeshed in, in the, the fabric of my fandom. And I think a lot of Star Wars fans share that sentiment with me. It's been a great, fun, rapid-fire hyperspace ride up to this point, And I just expect everything to ramp up and get even more intense, more faster, more intense from the <laughs> Don't forget about uh, the blog. You got the editorials project on there. If you'd like to get your editorial featured, you can send that to eric at theforce.net. And if you're so inclined, we'd love to have you make a financial contribution to our efforts here at the Forcecast. Go to forcecast.net slash contribute.asp. That's forcecast.net slash contribute.asp. And we thank you so much for your support of what we're doing here at the Forcecast.net. At the Forcecast Network. We also have our apps available for both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple App Store and search for Forcecast. You'll find it, and it's also available in the Android Marketplace. Check that out. The whole Forcecast Network at your fingertips from the IndieCast, which we've recently added, the Jedi Journals, the Collector's Edition, all of the above. It's all available on the app. And I just want to uh, say, don't forget about the effort to save the Lars Homestead. That's right. Save the Lars Homestead. Mark Dermal and his crew, they want to go out to Tunisia and fix up that iconic film location so future generations can go out and discover and explore and visit that incredible site, the Lars Homestead, where they actually filmed the Star Wars movies. Um, they're raising money. They're over $7,500. $7,500. They want to raise $10,000 so they can get out there and fix that thing up. What you want to do is go to savetheigloo.info. And for every donation between now and March 15th of $20 and more, your name will be put into a random drawing where you'll be able to win a rare set of autographed Forcecast trading cards. There are very few sets of these in existence, signed by myself, Jason Swank, Kyle Newman, Paul Bateman, and of course, Steve Sansweet. So do your part to help restore and preserve this iconic movie location for generations to come. Visit Mark's website, savetheigloo.info, and you can learn how you can donate. That's it. We're out of here. Love you guys so much. We'll see you next week for another Forcecast. But until then, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. This podcast is not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names and sounds of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of TheForce.net, LLC, unless otherwise indicated. 